Hello to everyone and welcome to this one of our commercial contracts podcasts. Today uh, we're going to be talking to Charlie Maurice who's a partner in our commercial team on the thorny issue of costs, RPI and COGS from the perspective of MSA standard terms and generally charging mechanism. Welcome Charlie. Hi everyone. Hi Beverly. Thanks so much for having me. Um, I'm really pleased to uh, be joining for this. I think this is such a topical issue right across our client base, the market in general. Um, and there are, it's fair to say, plenty of options of, of things that people might consider in this sort of situation, these sorts of scenarios. But, um, you know, we are seeing different solutions as, you know, in real time in this time, kind of in this kind of space. Um, so, yeah, pleased to be here. Thank you. So, I mean, Charlie, there's been lots of changes. Not only have we got um, the news at, at present with inflation, but also we've had Brexit, COVID, and we've had scarcity of results because of the situation um, abroad. And, and those who have standard terms or master services agreements or outsourced arrangements now have some further complications to consider, particularly on charging, I would say. Yeah, I think that's right. I think one of the... Um... The inherent challenges in in any contract is thinking about future proofing what's going to happen next and on a on, on a, in a pricing context you know longer longer term deals are vulnerable to to outside influences and inflation and brexit and covid as you've just mentioned are, are all those that we've seen and or and or are seeing um and the challenge for us lawyers is to help our clients uh through uh you know produce putting deals together that that stand the best chances they can on paper to 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 allow a fair outcome for for those kind of considerations moving forward okay well i I couldn't disagree with you there and in particular i'm conscious that um there are different ways of pricing deals so sometimes Mm. as lawyers we'll see an open book mechanism sometimes we'll see a fixed price sometimes we'll see budgeting um cost plus i mean they're all there could mm. you maybe um give us perhaps a brief outline of of the changes and the kind of challenges that we may face in our cost clauses yeah. at present yeah for sure so i think the um the the first point to note is that you know we are seeing uh people triggering and looking to draft um costs uh, pricing indexes or price changing mechanisms within contracts and so i think it's fair to say one of the, the first points are to, to to think about here is you know does the contract that you have in place allow for movement of price and that will obviously depend on uh, a number of factors but the relevance to you will also depend on whether you are indeed the customer or the supplier or whatever the equivalent equivalents you are in there but let's just sort of take a step back and look at those kind of mechanisms really in in general. Um, I think one of the most obvious ways in which pricing clauses are adjusted at, in contracts that we see is, is for some sort of movement either up or down in relation to, to a relevant price index. So there you have a longer term deal, um, you would usually or often see a contract set, uh, set out a provision that says, um, over a set period of time, and that might be year on year, the pricing is then adjusted in accordance with a with a movement in a particular index. Um, now, that's a relatively innocuous clause on its on its own, but but for example, there are quite a number of different indices that you can use to to measure price changes. Um, and we'll come on to those in a, in a minute. But um, the actual mechanics of of those 
types of clause and and or indeed whether you have a wider costs adjustment provision rather than just limited to an index as i say will depend hugely on whether you're a customer or or a supplier and you know pretty obviously a supplier is going to want to um continually uh pass on the effects of of inflation increased costs um cost of business increased cost of business due to brexit uh, COVID, we've, we've seen all of those and we're continuing to seeing all of those kind of factors play into that. Um, and also ultimately that the profit opportunity for the supplier reflects really what they can achieve at any time on the open market or, or within a within a relative relative period. You know, if you've got a long-term deal, you don't ideally want to find yourself, you know, at a profit base, you know, of several years pr prior. That That is moving quite fast at present. Um, the customer side, obviously, you know, the, it's incumbent on a customer really to think about how they can produce cost over time uh, and try and place that on suppliers. But that's quite a quite a challenge in the present market. Um, and as I say, assessing what is market rate at any one particular point is such a movable feast at present that 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 really does play into that kind of negotiation. And so, what if you were acting for a supplier? What mm. kind of terms in an MSA would you consider? looking at or tweeting at present and, and what kind of indices would you be looking at? Yeah, I mean, I think it's making sure that you do have a provision in there to look at to look at the costs implications over a longer term. That there are quite a few different, as you said, you mentioned open book cost plus lots of different mechanisms that you can do that. And I think, you know, you can one can delve into those, you know, indefinitely really. But um we we often see uh Either just straight ability to to change prices. Uh, we see um, that perhaps subject to negotiation. We sometimes see specifics. So, for example, um, changes in law might allow a supplier to unilaterally change prices. And and Brexit, certainly the effect of Brexit at the beginning, we saw started to see that sort of drafting appearing contracts. And, and oftentimes, you you might find that a that a counterparty is given associated rights if they don't like that sort of increase so they might be able to terminate if they don't like the don't like the price increase but from a from a kind of pure contract drafting perspective if the pricing mechanism generally aligns with market trends you know the, the impact of that kind of termination right might actually be be much lower than you think and then in terms of you know the sort of indices that we see i think it's about to say there are quite a lot of different ones and it and it really depends on the type of contract that you're doing as to which is most appropriate. I think by far and away the most obvious one, although we'll come on to that in a minute, to why that might be a slightly flawed approach in a minute, uh, is RPI. You often see a, a contract saying over um, over a period of time, you, um, you know, the price will be adjusted up or down in accordance with fluctuations in, in RPI. RPI is technically, and it has not hasn't been for a little while, an official statistic. It's still published by the the Office of the National Office of National Statistics um, as a domestic measure of inflation, and it measures the the change month on month of goods and services published purchased by most households in the UK. But the reason it was it has subsequently been replaced by CPI, which is the Consumer Price Index, is that it has certainly seen over time to produce a a higher measure of inflation than cpi does and, and there are several reasons for that that's kind of an economist's answer but cpi for example um doesn't include many housing costs although variants of cpi such as cpih do um nor savings investments or charges for credits it covers a broader population than rpi uh 
you know, calculated using different formulae um, and it provides different classifications for goods and services. But I think the certainly the government's view is that that produces a more accurate figure of of uh, of domestic inflation in the UK. Um, you know, there are plenty of arguments on either side of that, but there there are there are on that. Yeah, indeed. Um, and and you know, and then you also might see other more specific um, indices as well. So. Um, producer price index which is a measure of prices of goods bought and sold by manufacturers you can have service producer price indices um limited range of service industries um there, there are lots of others and i suppose the yeah. point is it's not always the case that you have to pick rpi or cpi there may yeah. be a more useful measure for what you're doing under the contract i agree because sometimes when you're doing logistic contracts you'll have the fuel price um in in increase or um, if you're doing labour contracts, sometimes you'll you'll annex a labour yeah. increase. So um, yes, different indices. Exactly, different and, and likewise, certain industry industries may be closer to a particular exchange. Mm. Um, you know, for example, we've seen a contract recently with with uh, an index relating to the to the Baltic Exchange index. There are plenty of others, um, but it's a good example of ones that might be more specific. And what about? Cogs or cost of goods is is uh, that's something I'm starting to see more that in the past didn't really you know feature quite so much. Yeah. I suppose that's kind of open book as well, but it is absolutely, and so it's a, it's sort of seeing provision for pass through of increased costs on a much more specific and granular level perhaps than than we had in the past. Um, now, again, there are many elements to that, but but if you are specifically providing you know relying on certain materials or commodities in in what you're doing um it is not unusual at the moment to see clauses that deal with specifically those costs of goods and the and the the increases on the on the contract as a result of those yeah so uh, that, sure. I, I can imagine that that would be for example if you were buying in packaging or something but Correct, you were the yeah. producer of the of the in the contents of the packaging in the the purchaser dictates where you where you buy the packaging uh -huh. from, I can see that. I suppose also there's some devil in the detail of the drafting of the clause, isn't there? You know, you can't just assume that you can unilaterally increase or that the clause yeah. allows an increase either. There is some, there are some quirky drafted clauses out there. Yeah, I, was, I think it's fair to say that these clauses are often drafted in a relatively ambiguous manner. Um, you quite often see people sort of including wording or wording included in contracts that, that simply says you know you'll, you'll adjust the price in accordance with rpi what will we'll sort of what does that mean it, it is worth being really quite specific about what you mean in any kind of price increase or decrease context so yeah because you sometimes know. you can only increase or then don't get the benefit of a decrease yes exactly. at the moment it's not an issue but then yeah. again you might have an agreement to agree where the parties discuss but actually that is all it is and exactly agree Exactly. So there are lots of different ways of drafting. And I think the, the sort of takeaway point of this is do consider price increases and whether you need them and what the mechanism is and also then how that is calculated. And I said before, there are it is often that you see RPI, but whether that is actually the most appropriate measure is quite an interesting one. And as, and as you alluded to, alluded to before, there's, there is quite a bit of debate about that. It is proposed, at least in by 2030, that RPI will be replaced in full by by CPI, but that's just come under under judicial review um, as to whether that's actually going to go ahead. Um, 
there are several pension funds challenging that on the basis that they uh, are set to lose quite a bit of the value of their uh, their investments as a result of the different calculation. Um, yeah, that's interesting actually, because even in the the drafting of the RPI increase in the contract, you might need to include a provision that says or any replacement or equivalent replacement thereof. <laughs> yeah, quite. Absolutely. You know, We're doing our future. crystal ball gazing <laughs> thing if we can. Yeah. And um, I suppose elsewhere around the contract, just thinking um, laterally, you don't have to just go to the charges provision. You've already alluded to the change in law that there may be a, yeah. a right elsewhere to recoup costs for change in law. And also there may be a change in control or a change of control procedure that allows you to propose things mm -hmm. um, with the parties maybe discussing in good faith or one walking away yeah. um, if the other doesn't agree. Uh, just on that point as well is just whether expert determination yeah. or something like that is it is needed in the end. You know, what happens if the parties can't agree, all of that good stuff? You know, this is nothing new in a in a contract perspective, but it really does come to the fore in the current climate, I think. It does. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And then I suppose just looking at we looked at it from the supplier perspective. If you were acting for a customer, what kind of things would you expect customers now to be looking for in their standard terms or MSA? Is anything in particular? Yeah, I think you're trying to resist as many different uh, ways of, of changing the price as you can. Um, the more certainty you can get, the better. Um, we, we, we have clients that are prepared to agree to perhaps certain measures at the moment with a view to obtaining that certainty over a period of time it's a little bit like fixing a mortgage you know if yeah. you're fixing yourself in at a rate that might be slightly higher than the market rate but it's fixed for a period then maybe that gives weight what you need to get um and we are also seeing i you know quite a lot of contracts that are looking to focus on on other ways of achieving cost efficiency so if a supplier is is passing on increase able to pass on increased overheads well as a quid pro quo, it might be much, it might be much more reasonable to start demanding continuous improvement. It might be much more reasonable to start saying, um, you know, look, you're going to do X, Y, Z as a result of this, um, and get, you know, essentially getting more for your money as well as as paying more for the for the for the goods. Um, I think that's a really good point. I was just going to wrap up with that kind of the <laughs> yeah. most favoured nations clause, the continuous improvement clause, yeah. the benchmarking clause, and the audit clause. They're yeah, all exactly. kind of helpful or not helpful depending on which side of the coin you're on um, yeah. when you're looking at charging right well charlie anything else you'd like to add i mean it, it's very much flavor of the of the topic of the month really i would say is there i think the only thing to add is that the lot of sympathy for people on either side of the coin in 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 this kind of contractual setting at present and um you know that there, there are plenty of things uh, of options to consider in this kind of uh environment um Now's the time, certainly, to think creatively, if we can, about how to resolve those. Thank you. And and read those clauses closely if you're trying to exercise them, I imagine. <laughs> Always. <laughs> <laughs> OK, well, on that note, I'll thank you, Charlie, for joining me today. And thank you to all of our listeners for listening to this podcast. Look out for more from the commercial team from SMB. Thanks. Thank you. Bye from me.